All right, everybody, welcome back to Pew Pew Panel with Eric and Ava here. First of all, Happy New Year. I hope everybody has had a wonderful year and a Happy New Year. And I hope nobody got too trashed or got into any trouble or lost any fingers or toes <laughs> shooting on fireworks. Today, we're going to be discussing some cringy trends in the gun industry. Some of these, y'all, it might surprise you. Ava, you got all your fingers and toes, girl? I do. Actually, believe it or not, I didn't even have a single drink on New Year's Eve, which, well, I was going to say might be a first. It's probably a first in a long time. But yeah, I didn't even have a single drink. And I was in bed before, before you know, 12 o'clock. Um, I did go out to like a nice dinner and then went to like a little party and, you know, it was fun. But uh, by like 1030, I was like, all right, I'm ready for bed. And so I went home, showered, and I was in bed by like 1130. How was your New Year's? I hung out with the dogs. I built a fire and hung out with the dogs and kept it nice and quiet and uh, and peaceful. And, nice. you know, I kind of find like the older I get, the more I, I don't want to be around people. Is that kind of normal, I suppose? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So originally I was thinking about going downtown and then I thought to myself, you know what? And this is how I know I'm getting older because one, I didn't, even if I wasn't going to drink that much, there was no saying as to, you know, like, all the people that were driving around me, if they weren't drunk and God forbid something happened, I'm like, I don't really feel like losing my life because some drunk driver hit me. And then downtown, there's been a lot of shootings. And so I just decided, you know what? I just want to avoid all of that together. Go to like some house party that was fairly close to my house. Didn't even drink because, you know, if there's any checkpoints or something, I would lose everything I have, even if I had like one glass of wine or something. So I just didn't even risk it. So I don't think that that is unheard of. And I think that a lot of people will agree with us. You know, the older you get, uh, maybe the wiser you get, but then also the less you want to be around people uh, because, you know, they're pretty unpredictable. So that's right. Yeah. Lots of crazy people driving around on New Year's. Don't Definitely don't want to be a part of that for sure. So speaking of uh, 2023, you know, because we are recording this podcast, today's the second. Um, mm -hmm. So I you know, we are into the new year and everything. So that's kind of the, you know, overall thought process. Um, let's talk about maybe something from 2023 we can hang our hat on. So like what, what about 2023 makes you feel proud, like an accomplishment? Like you feel like, Hey, 2023 was my year because of this reason. So I would say, I mean, really 2023 was a pretty good year for me. And there's so many people that I talked to and they're like, Oh, I just want to put the year behind me. And I, you know, I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot to be said about, you know, going out and getting what you want. And hey, Peaches, Peaches has something to say about the year as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a lot of changes that I made in 2023. I'd say if nothing else, I'm really happy that I solidified my relationship with my dad and my sister. Uh, we were getting along fairly well. We weren't seeing each other as consistently, but um, but now I would say, you know, it's been a real pleasure um, to have them in my life. And and even my sister, I talk to every day and like, you know, we've really opened up to each other. So that's been great. And then I was also really happy to sign Sig Sauer as a sponsor. And that took months, but I, you know, I, I saw what they were doing. I loved what they were doing, especially with the Rose program. I wanted to be a part of it. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make it my mission to work with them. And sure enough, I did. 
And so I would say, you know, those two things alone, uh, I'm really happy with. What about you? I would say that for me, 2023, I would say probably getting in shape, you know, like I, in 2022, you know, I, um, I had made a, a New Year's resolution in 2022 going into 2023 to, uh, you know, start lifting and try to get in shape and, and do better. And I've been uh, weight training and weightlifting for over a year now. In fact, uh, today, just about today is my one year anniversary for when I started lifting with James, my trainer. And uh, that was back in in January. So here we are about a year in and I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm looking better. I'm, I'm stronger than I've ever been. So I've you know, getting in shape, feeling good, eating better, uh, taking better care of myself, to better care of my body. And believe me, um, it's a good feeling. And, you know, like people will say, well, I just want to put this year behind me. And they look at the year as such a loss and they go, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to put this behind me and see what drudgery is coming up for the next mm-hmm. year. But I think the way I feel about it, is I'm looking forward to 2024. There's a lot of great business prospects. There's a lot of good things happening. Um, I'm very happy with 2024 because I'm just going to do more of the same. I'm going to keep lifting and trying to improve and just want to be the best version of myself I can be. And I feel better than ever. Yeah, absolutely. And then you also forgot to add that, you know, you also, you know, joined me on this podcast, which is, absolutely. you know, <laughs> no, I'm, I, but I am actually really happy to be working with you that you're my co-host. And I think that, you know, again, it's still very much in the infancy stage, but I think that we're going to take this podcast very far. So I really have, you know, some really good high hopes for it. And I'm incredibly proud of you for losing so much weight and getting in shape. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that you could have everything in the world, you know, a great family, all this money, you know, anything that you could possibly think of. But if you don't have your health, unfortunately, you don't really have anything. You know, if you can't fully enjoy what you've worked hard for, what you've gained or what you have, um, you know, so really nothing, nothing can, you know, can beat health. So really take care of yourself. And, you know, maybe you guys are watching and, and maybe this is your sign, you know, to go out and start taking some steps to get into better shape. All right. So getting started with the show, let's do mail call. Um, I got quite a few things, including the shirt that I'm wearing. Um, it is kind of like the Barbie logo. And right when I saw it, I thought it was Barbie, but it actually is not. It says bad and then ASS and it has an AR-15. So a listener from Gun Funny gave me this and I love it. Um, and then I also got a new holster for my Sig P365 Rose. And it is a rose gold holster made from Sake Holsters, S-A-E-K. And this guy does a fantastic job. Like he does an amazing job making the holster, but he also is so quick from the time that you order it to the time you have it in your hand. It's like a week. Um, And at first, just at first glance, I was like, I don't know, does this really actually match the rose gold? Because it looks a little bit more orange, but it does. In fact, it's it's pretty spot on. And then uh, what I love, and and this isn't like anything new. It's not like he's doing something that nobody else is. But I really like this Utili Clip, Uti, Ulti, I'm sorry, Ulti Clip. And that's just because I'm not big on wearing belts. And once you have that, you know, under your, like, let's say your pants, and then you snap that on there, it's so easy to draw. So, yeah, that's what I got. How about yourself, Eric? 
So I don't have anything to show off for mail call, but in typical tradition, what we always do is I do a show and tell on a given gun. So if I today is show and tell day, and uh, I was going through the vault and dug up this, okay? Um, now, I know you know all about this type of stuff, Ava, but for the viewers here, uh, this is a Luger, but it's not just any Luger. This is a Swiss Luger. So what some people may notice, I'm going to go ahead and switch for a moment just to full screen for just a minute here. Uh, so what some people will notice is that you have a grip safety. Uh, that's not a typical feature on a Luger. Also, you can notice here the Swiss crest. Hopefully, yeah, you can see that right there. Okay. The nice uh, Swiss crest that's on top of the toggle. You also notice a little skinny barrel. This is not a nine millimeter. This is chambered in 30 Luger. It says the original grips, original finish. This gun has not been refinished. It's all in original shape, original rig, and everything like that. So the Swiss were the first to adopt the Luger, y'all. A lot of people don't know that. Um, the Swiss had the Luger long before the Germans did. And, um, yet, you know, just a kind of an interesting little footnote. Um, a lot of people know about Lugers, but not many people have seen a Swiss Luger. Uh, you know, it does fire this kind of unique bottleneck cartridge. It's not a 9 millimeter. Higher velocity, very, very accurate, very well made, of course, you know, Swiss quality. Uh, but yeah, really cool stuff. I just thought I'd show that off since I didn't have mail to show off. Yeah, that's a really nice gun. And I am familiar. My dad has quite a few in the museum, but uh, obviously not as, you know, as common. Uh, before we go into the Would You Rather segment, ATI Outdoors. And Eric, we were talking right before, you know, we started, uh, you know, recording this segment, you want to talk about um, using ATI Outdoors for like SKS and Mosinagots. Yes, yes. So I've done a lot of sporterization uh, work for people on, in the past. Some people want like a, you know, kind of a more basic conversion that doesn't involve a whole lot of trickery. You know, ATI does have their replacement bolt handle that is super easy to put on the Mosin. It's really easy to cut off. It's really easy to put back on and drill and tap. Super easy. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're looking for a low-profile bolt handle for the Mosin series of rifles. The stocks are great. Uh, they inlet quite uh, nicely. If you do need to free float them a little bit, uh, they inlet nicely, and they accept uh, pillars uh, with a little bit of fitting. You can put pillars in them and, and bed them and everything like that. They hold up really well, and they're a great option for the money. Also, their replacement SKS stock is fantastic. Um, I highly recommend ATIF you know, for folks that are looking for an affordable option for their SKS or their Mosin. They also do stocks for infields. They do that same type of Monte Carlo stock for the Mauser series of rifles. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, great group of people. And uh, and also it's worth noting a big thanks to them for being a very early supporter of my channel as well way back in the day. So big shout out to ATI for supporting Pew Pew Panel and definitely uh, check them out at atioutdoors.com. Yeah, definitely. All right, so now it's would you rather, uh, so Dissolve DC asked, would you rather protect the Second Amendment or put Trump back in office? <laughs> I know, this one kind of made me laugh too. Um, uh, so, I mean, I don't think that people realize, but we lost, we actually lost more of our Second Amendment rights under Trump than we did even like Obama. You know, I mean, is that is that what you were going to say, Eric? I mean, it kind of made me laugh because 
I'm not anti-Trump. Uh, he is not, I'm not like one of those like, wow, you know, like, oh, he needs to, you know, be president again. I mean, again, if I had to, you know, choose between him and Biden, I would choose Trump all day long. At this point, anybody is better than Biden. Anybody's better than, you know, any of the, the liberal can- candidates, but, um, but yeah, I don't know if people realize that. I mean, I mean, Trump, you know, he banned bump stocks. Nobody really cares about bump stocks, but that also set the present for, uh, you know, for a lot of other things that, you know, that, that ATF tried to ban as well. And so, uh, so yeah, I would hands down protect the second amendment. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, look, I caught a lot of grief early on y'all. For those of you that are listening and watching, uh, no matter where you're at here on PewPie panel, look, um, I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with my channel and what I've done over the years, but look, we were one of the early folks that definitely called Trump out on the uh, on the bump stock ban, and we got a lot of pushback from even gun rights organizations, okay? And, and look, you know, because that was their man, that was who they chose or whatever, but at the end of the day... Um, yes, it did set forth a very dangerous precedence. You know, if you open Pandora's box and give a president the ability to abuse the pen in order to just basically, you know, pass gun control th- through essentially what is executive fiat and not go through Congress, there, you know, it's going to be abused. And we saw that that it most certainly was abused by Biden. Uh, frame and receiver rule, the brace rule, um, all sorts of things. I mean, Triggers. during Obama, they they tried to ban. M855, you know, green tip ammo. And there was a lot of pushback on that. And the ATF rescinded all of their, you know, opinions about that. Uh, but under Obama, they did ban the 7N6 ammunition from being imported, the 545 ammo. Yeah. So it's just like everything is incrementalism. And that's what's so scary. And I think that there's a lot of people that don't really feel like Trump is a strong 2A uh, choice. Uh, for the Republicans. Now, there are a lot of things about Trump that I admire and, and I do like about him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but there are some things that he has to answer for. And I remember early on, I called him out on social media about it and his kids blocked me on Instagram. Mm. Dang. They blocked well, me on I will say, you know, Donald Trump Jr., who follows me on Instagram, actually, um, he's you know, super like in favor of the Second Amendment, huge supporter, but I don't think his dad understands it quite as well as Donald Trump Jr. does. Right. Um, Junior I know Blunt. that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Junior Blunt, oh, but that also, you know, that also brings me into um, a topic that, you know, like, who are we going to vote for? And this might be kind of early but maybe we should almost dedicate a podcast segment to this but you know at what point like what is going to be our tactic because i think that so many people are going to vote for trump and although there's other people that i think i would rather see in office like vivek ramas ramasay ramasway um he's been very impressive you know all the things that he said and what he's talked about and how he answers questions i mean that guy does not miss a beat I know there's a lot of people that are like on the fence about him and they're like, I don't know, I just don't trust him because he tells me everything that I want to hear. And he kind of did pop out of nowhere and it kind of does make you question. And it's like, I think I've I've concluded that, you know, you really can't trust any politicians regardless of what side they're on. But do I want to, you know, possibly, I hate to say waste my vote, but do I want to vote for Vivek when I think that majority of Republicans are going to be voting for Trump? 
And then let's say Trump loses by, you know, just a, you know, a small number. And it's like, Ugh. so I do think that at, at one point or another in, in the near future, we need to all get on the same side and figure out like, all right, you know, what is going to be our strategy? Because the last thing that I want to do is see a, you know, a liberal in office as it is. I mean, I think that our economy is the worst that it's ever been. I've never seen inflation this high. You know, I mean, uh, people just unwilling to work, all of these handouts. I mean, it's just the world's just in, in shambles right now. It certainly is. And I know that that's a, a more far reaching topic for another time. And we certainly will. As I think as we get closer to the election, we should dive into these subjects more. Um, mm -hmm. Vitnik does seem like the kind of guy that, you know, will tell you what you want to hear. But I do like a lot of the things that he says. And I like some of the things that Robert Kennedy says, even though he's a Democrat. Um, yeah. You know, he says a lot of things I agree with. You know, he wants to hold Big Pharma accountable. That I can agree with. Mm -hmm. You know, Trump got in some hot water recently by saying he wanted to build a new FBI building. I'm thinking, well, I mean, an FBI building with cell, like yeah. jail cells in it, like for them. <laughs> I mean, like, what is he implying there? You know, after everything that happened, after all this misconduct on the part of the outfit agencies, are you going to say that? Yeah. Well, is it satire at this point? I know. It's just, what is he thinking? I will hand it to Trump, though. I mean, they keep pushing him down. He keeps getting back up. That he's, part I do admire. He's like a he's like a honey badger. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. That and look, if it's one thing that America loves, it's an underdog. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, every time they sling mud at him and he and he shakes it off, he gets more and more popular. And look, Biden's approval numbers are dismally low. Mm -hmm. So this may be an election of who hates Biden more than it is who loves who the got nomination is. Yeah, absolutely. It may come down to how much they don't like Biden more than who they like or who they don't like. And there's a lot of people who are saying, well, in 2020, uh, Biden got, you know, 81 million votes just because people were hated Trump that much. I don't know. I don't think that that's the case. No. Yeah. Second question is the from the Toxic Jedi. He said, would you rather light a menorah or plug in a Christmas tree? Oh, <laughs> go right at it, huh? Man. Um, actually, uh, a few episodes ago, somebody said, I wish I could quote this person, but they were like, yeah, I'm here just to spite Ava because she uh, doesn't believe in a holiday that I'm celebrating today or something like that. It was like around Christmas. And, you know, I'm not going to hide it with all the hate going on with Jews, but like technically I'm Jewish. I don't really, uh, I wouldn't say that I really, you know, say like call myself Jewish, like really align myself with Judaism. But, you know, I was born from, um, you know, my mom gave birth to me and she was Jewish. Um, my mom growing up, actually, we always celebrated Christmas, not because we're really fully believed in the reason for that. Um, we were kind of raised around to celebrate sort of both, but my mom always saw like she always thought that Christmas was more fun. And 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 this is also coming from a mom who, you know, on Easter Day gave us Easter baskets just because she didn't want us to feel left out or feel like we were being punished because we were a different religion. So everybody goes to school, they have, you know, all this candy and we didn't and we've, you know, so she always gave us Easter baskets. So really, I mean, I think I don't know. I, I don't really hate against any religions as long as it's not hurting anyone. 
and it gives people like I definitely believe in God. And I think that, you know, if there's a reason that makes people act a little bit more moral when nobody else is looking behind closed doors, why not? Believe whatever you want. But if it makes you a better person, I'm all for it. That said, I would rather plug in a Christmas tree. <laughs> I also think that Christmas trees are a little bit prettier than, you know, the minority uh, menorahs. But that's a good answer, Ava. I would say that, you know, my perspective is, you know, religion and I have been at sorts over the years. I'm not going to lie. And and look, mm. God and I have not exactly had the best relationship. Although I'm sure if he would talk to me right now, he would argue and say that I've, he's been there all along. And he has, you know, yeah. I know people have seen those, those tropes where, you know, there's the one set of footprints in the sand and they say, well, he was carrying you. I mean, look, that's very true. And there for a long time, you know, I've been at sorts with him mm -hmm. and, you know, but, but I have become more religious as I've gotten older and, you know, I do, uh, believe in God. I absolutely do. And I, and I do, uh, very much believe, you know, in Jesus Christ and, and his sacrifices. And, and look, at the end of the day, uh, I want people to be happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Someone wants to light a menorah, light a menorah. You want to plug in a Christmas tree, plug in a Christmas tree this year. I didn't even set up a Christmas tree. I just wasn't exactly, um, you know, feeling it. Okay. This year. And, and look, that's fine too. I don't, I think that it's important for people to realize, like, if you don't feel like doing something, like why kill yourself over, you know, a holiday that's become very much commercialized. Like if you just want to take a break and you're like, Hey, I'm not, you know, dragging out this Christmas tree, you're putting up all these lights just to, you know, take them all down, put it back in a box, you know, a month later, um, you know, give yourself some grace. If you're not feeling it, who cares? There's nothing wrong with that either. It doesn't make you, you know, uh, a bad person or wow, you don't believe in God or you're not celebrating. Like people need to just chill out. And, and you're right. I think as long as it makes you happy and gives you, you know, like, it, I don't think it really matters. I just want people to be happy. And one thing I'll just conclude in saying, uh, with it is that, you know, you got these people that will go to church, right. Mm -hmm. And they'll look at their phone and they'll watch a football game on their phone while they're in church. And they view church as an inconvenience because their spouse wants to go or their family, and they just got dragged along, whatever. But I find that instead of being in the church and looking at your phone and watching the football game on your phone, it might be better to just go out in nature and go hang out on the boat or go mm -hmm. hang out in the deer stand or go hang out by the campfire and contemplate your relationship with God there rather than going to some building and doing it and feeling miserable while you do Definitely. it. I like, you don't have to go to church to feel a connection. And I'm not, and look, I haven't, I'm not saying people shouldn't go. I mean, it's, it's great to go. It's great to have the community and the, uh, and everything, and that that helps a lot of people. But it's like so many people view it as a distraction, and perhaps it is. Perhaps having a phone in your hand and watching a football game is really just distracting you from what you need to get out in in nature and view God's creation under that lens. Spend yeah. your time out there. Mm -hmm. that me. That's what I do. I, yeah. I, I I find my peace out in nature. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. And that's when I actually really started to believe in God more. Because, uh, you know, after I lost my mom, it's hard to really be, you know, think that there is a God, you know, with all the bad things that happen. And 
Um, but then it was it was actually in nature that I was just like, life is just, you know, nature itself is just way too beautiful and complex for there not to be something greater than ourselves out there. And, you know, but we could talk about this all day. Uh, Ro Rossi. Oh, Rossi, I'm home. Lure, <laughs> sir. Rossi. I'm actually really looking forward to SHOT Show and checking out everything that they have. I was on their website earlier and I really like they have some really nice stuff. I will say their laminate wood is beautiful, uh, especially like the gray. But they also have some uh, some they have one that's gold where like the actual frame is gold. And but then it was, it was chambered in 22. You can't just roll up to the range with a gold gun and then it's only chambered in 22. So we got to have a talk with Rose. But yeah, they got some cool stuff. That would be a great gun to go with your Sig Rose though. So, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It was gold gold, not rose gold. <laughs> don't oh, okay, get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, out of all the stuff, I, you know, look, people are going to give me crap about this. That's fine. But I do like the tactical lever actions. They do yeah. have their M92 and 357 Magnum. You've got a pick rail and a peep sight on top, a threaded barrel, uh, a large loop. It's a straight comb stock with a nice recoil pad, all black. I mean, I think that's a really great looking gun. And I'm going to pick up one of those and do some work with it. Throw a suppressor on there. Have yeah. a little fun. And there's nothing cooler than a 38 Special thumping out of a lever action with a can on it. Super quiet. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, listener it. questions. So this one is from Richard Serafini. He said, Eric, are you from Tennessee? No way. No. <laughs> I don't know why he asked that. He didn't oh say why. Gosh, no, I'm from Georgia. You from Tennessee? Everybody's moving to Tennessee right now. <laughs> it's crazy how many people. Um, it, and it used to be pretty affordable, and now it's, you know, now it's gone up. Uh, next is from uh, DS. Well, D Stev98141, he asked, Eric, I know you like the chassis handguns. Have you seen the Eric Strike Modular Chassis Bravo? I have a BNT USW G17 and Recovered Tactical 2020 G17 and 48 for the Glocks. Really looking forward to the SIG option. I dig it. I mean, chassis are cool. I, I've really gotten into chassis when they're made well. Uh, there's a few chassis out there that I wasn't really that impressed with. I mean, they worked, but it was just, they felt kind of flimsy and kind of like, eh, for what you're paying, I don't think. I'd rather just get a second long gun, really, but they have some really cool stuff out there. Yeah, I think that, you know, when it comes to all the chassis guns and everything that are out there, you know, the options can be a little bit overwhelming to some degree. I mean, more and more people are doing things now. The Recover, cha uh, the recover Tactical stuff is great. Of mm -hmm. course, b makes a really fine option. And of course... Yeah, I just saw that one, actually. Uh, my sister just got... Clock. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah, didn't I'm mean to cut you off. I just got really excited. But my sister had the B&T one, and I was like, what? This is so cool. It's like the yeah. full one, you know? Mm-hmm. I built one of those in uh, with a with a Glock 40 MOS in it in 10 millimeter. So I got the large frame uh, BNT, and then I've also got a 17L set up in one, and that's one of my road guns. And I think it's great because it fits into a backpack. The same can be said for the recover chassis. The same can be said for the BNT. Also, our buddy Ben over at Flux makes uh, Flux Raider in both SBR and brace configurations, which are great uh, if you have a sick pistol like a. a 
the P320, M17, M18, any of the X-Series 6 will drop right in the Flux chassis. And honestly, out of all the chassis systems, the Flux is my favorite. Um, now, it'd be really cool to see. I mean, obviously, SIG would be stupid not to make their own chassis system. Uh, if I'm reading that right, I, am I reading that right, that that SIG is releasing a chassis system? I actually that, I have no idea. Okay, let me see. Yeah, I mean, that's it, what it... Yeah. So he said he's looking forward to the SIG option. I, I must yeah. assume that he means that either Recover Tactical, uh, I guess maybe Recover Tactical is making a SIG option coming up. Um, I mean, unless so he's assuming because most of these chassis options were always made for Glocks and then the P320 became the new Glock. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. The cool thing about the P320, though, is that with the, the, with the modular, with the fire control unit, uh, yeah. it makes it so easy to accessorize. So I think SIG has something really good going with that gun, and, and they still do, and Look, I know that it wasn't without its little teething issues and things, but you know, mm -hmm. look, anytime you have a new gun, those things are going to happen. And I feel like they've really sorted it out well. And um, every SIG that I'm seeing come out uh, that's built with that FCU, uh, you know, type of system is holding up really good. Also, a big shout out to Wilson Combat on the aftermarket frames that they sell. They're so awesome. Uh, Wilson Combat makes a fantastic aftermarket frame for the P365 and uh the 320 series m17 m18 series they're great oh interesting i didn't know that they made that i actually just uh, got off the phone this morning with shallow tech and they're sending me um some parts for the scu uh p365 that i have and so that i'm really excited i i do have the p320 i don't really love the p320 i know there's lots of iterations and i'm sure that i would find something that i loved a little bit more but so far, the P365, I'm like hands down. I could shoot it really well. Like almost I could shoot it as if it was like a full-size gun. To me, there's just really not a lot of recoil. Um, so the really 365 is absolutely my jam. Uh, that's my carry gun. I carry it every single day. I love the yeah. 365. And I have. I really want to try the macro out. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have that one. I have that one too. I have a lot of the 365 iterations. Um, and close second is the IWI Masada Slim. Have you tried that gun? No, but I do have. Oh, uh, okay. So MSRP on that is 450 and it already comes optic, uh, you know, um, optic ready, um, has a really nice trigger. I believe it holds 13 rounds, comes with two magazines. It is also, it will fit the, um, why am I, the Jericho uh, magazines as well. So if you mm -hmm. want to put a larger magazine and then I think they're making like that sleeve to take up that gap. But I've seen that gun now like for a little less than $400 and that is a steal. And that gun shoots hands down like so well. So if you don't want to pay the price of the P365, I would highly recommend that you guys look for the IWI Masada Slim. And uh, they are importing it from Israel, but I've I've noticed that they're a lot more available since they've launched. So Good. Um, Only try to find one and do a video on it. I mean, I could always send you mine. and I guess it's, you know, perks of being friends with me. I guess right. I could send you one. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I would love to send you one. All right. Uh, real quick, another word from our sponsor, Electronic Transfer. Uh, they've been around since 1989, which I think says a lot about their company. The last thing you want to do, especially when it comes to money, you know, because, you know, the last thing you want to do is do business with a company that is going to drop you, go out of business, uh, anything where now you're like, cool, like, 
you know, it affects either your income or how you're receiving your money or any of that good stuff. Um, so they've been around, um, their company speaks for themselves. And then on top of that, they have this thing where they will, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but they will basically guarantee that they can lower your fees. So give them a call because not only are you supporting a company that supports your second amendment rights, but you're also, you know, supporting a company that has your best interest and they don't want to charge you an arm and a leg to use their product. Um, and they are a merchant service company. You do not have to have a gun store or anything gun related in order to do business with them. Although if you do have a gun store or, you know, sell anything gun related, it's in your best interest to use a merchant service that, you know, that supports the Second Amendment that's not going to drop you the minute they find out that you're selling guns. Um, but if you have any other company that, you know, that you want to support them because they support the Second Amendment, check out electronictransfer.com and make sure that you actually use the entire uh, URL. So it's electronictransfer.com. Type it in. Don't just Google electronic transfer because I noticed that they don't show up. If y'all are on the fence about electronictransfer.com, I want you to look up Operation Choke Point and read all about it. You'll see exactly what Ava's talking about. The Obama administration went after gun shops. They actually were forcing banks to like not do it. Was, it was some really terrible stuff. So look it up. Look up Choke Point. That can happen. It's happened before. It could happen again. I'm not trying to scare yeah. you or, or, or drum up drama, but the point is, you know, you want to make sure your payment processing is on point. Absolutely. Check, out, check, out, uh, check them out. The good people. Yeah. All right. Time for listener questions. Uh, so, or I'm sorry, not listener questions, listener comments. So Columbia War Machine. Do you follow him on, on YouTube by chance? Um, I don't believe so. He has, I mean, he, I don't want to say he has as many guns as my dad, but it is very close. This guy is like, and he has a lot of cool guns, like so many machine guns. Um, I might even make a trip to go out there just to shoot some of his guns because he definitely, and he's worked very hard for us. If you guys don't follow Columbia War Machine, uh, definitely check him out. But he wrote, I would not eat those peppers, LOL. I will do a lot of crazy things, but not that, uh, but not that. So congrats on, I guess, having bigger, you know, what's than uh, Columbia War Machine, who's pretty badass. <laughs> okay. uh, then there is the toxic, the toxic Jedi, actually. That's interesting because he also asked a, a would you rather question. He did. Um, and they that got... was on your Twitter. So he's all over your stuff. He said, I sent Ava an email once. She never replied. She ghost peppered me. Cool. Well, way to call me out. No, I don't know. I, I you did there. I know. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. but also I'm kind of like, when did you send me an email? Because I am pretty good about getting back on emails. But, you know, I mean, I'm like a one person operation here. So, you know, unless Peaches wants to get off her little tush and help me. But that's very rare. <laughs> Next is uh, Unt. Mr. Meester 66. And he said, I don't think it's fair that Eric has to suffer. Maybe not another show with the same pepper, but come on, a spicy tomato juice drink, share the pain. So I think he was a little upset that I didn't eat the spicy pepper with you, but there's kind of reasons that we did that. I mean, one, somebody has to hold the show down. 
<laughs> um, but really, ultimately, so it was just this random guy. He turned out to be a really nice guy and he didn't poison you. But again, a very much random guy who, you know, you gave your your address to and I didn't necessarily want to give him my address. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've I've also like I feel like I've shared similar pain. I've said this in previous shows, but I did the one chip challenge and I actually won that challenge. My opponent, the minute he got off stage, started like throwing up profusely and he was sick the rest of the night and I took it like a champ. So I, I feel like I've been there, done that. Could I have eaten the peppers with you and suffered with you? Yeah, but, you know, I feel like I feel like you're strong enough. You could take one for the team. Right, Eric? I appreciate that. Oh, and real quick. Okay. If anybody wants to do one chip challenge with me, I will one up you. I will eat two. Oh, you know what? That would be awesome. We could bring them on the show. Yeah. So anybody wants to do a two chip challenge, let me know. You can eat one. I'll eat two and still beat you. And yeah, I mean, I will say I like spicy. Uh, I felt every bit of peace. I didn't feel anything the next morning, thankfully. But you said, on the other hand, you had you you weren't feeling so great that night or the next day. <laughs> those, those peppers got their freaking revenge. I'm going to tell you, they they come out a lot scarier than they go in. Let's put that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, and then this one, I this one made me laugh out loud. This guy, White Mountain Man, 3872, he said, Ava looks exactly like my ex who smashed a lamp over my head. Ha ha. It was worth it. <laughs> you know, funny story, real quick. My mother, okay, now this has been some time ago, obviously. I was probably six years, six or seven years old or something like that. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, you know, she smashed a lamp over my dad's head when I was like seven years old. I remember it like it was yesterday, and she totally did that. And it, and I, I remember the sound that it made, like it kind of shattered, and and yeah, it was it was bad. Dang, that's crazy. So, I mean, of course, you kind of automatically think like, what kind of lamp are we talking about? Like, did the actual like lamp itself break or was it you know the uh the actual shade or was it just the light bulb <laughs> it was like one of those cheesy old um like 1980s i know you've seen those lamps that are made almost like out of clay with like that kind of like painted on finish like they're real crude looking and used yeah. to buy i don't know, like walmart back in the day like they're really kind of little cheap lamps yeah. And when they break, they like shatter into a bazillion pieces. Yeah, one of those. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've witnessed that. It, it you know. So I mean, at happen. least it didn't, at least it didn't happen to you. You know, I guess better to witness than have it happen to you. <laughs> Not yet. All right, I mean, so, I'm on pretty, so. <laughs> yeah. Now it's finally time for the main topic, which I noticed some people were writing. They're like, wow, 20 minutes in main topic. But that's just kind of how we have the format of the show. Um, if you guys hate it, let us know. Maybe we'll do the reverse. But I don't know. We just figured. I don't know. You know, just let us know. We're, we're here. We're flexible. Um, but today's main topic is talking about some of the cringy trends in the gun industry, because there are a few things that I see that I'm just like, 
absolute cringeworthy. And I'm just like, why? And um, I'm going to go first. I think the first thing that just gets me is when manufacturers, they come out with, whether it's a gun or a long gun, you know, shotgun, rifle, whatever, they have the same stupid grip or they use something that's kind of similar in order to show that, you know, it's almost like their trademark. And I hate it. I think it looks so ugly. Like, maybe it works well for your handguns. It doesn't mean that it's going to work well for your rifles and your shotguns and whatever other ugly long guns that you came up with. Like, I think that they would have had a fighting chance, you know, just on their own without the grip. But the fact that they include that grip on there or uh, any other kind of, you know, thing that they do that would make it, you know, easily identifiable as like theirs, like that it came from that manufacturer. I don't know. It's just kind of like, eh, I'm not really in favor of that at all. I understand. You know, what? one thing that I will just sort of mention with that, okay? Like Smith & Wesson, for instance, okay? Mm-hmm. Like they have their M&P style grip, right? So their mm-hmm. M&P pistols have those interchangeable grip nozzles, right? Everyone knows I took the Smith & Wesson M&P Armors course Everyone knows you take the little tool and you twist it uh, and you pull it out. And then that's what retains the little backstrap piece. That is yeah. handy to be able to change backstraps out. Do you need to be able to change backstraps out on your shotgun or your other? I mean, I could understand a company wanting to hold that over into their other designs. It might make manufacturing easier, perhaps. We look at CMMG. They have their zeroed line of accessories, right? CMMG, when you buy something like uh, their Descent uh, Mark 47, I just did the video on. Just mm-hmm. cables plug. Anyway, I did my, my video on it. And of course, everything on a CMMG rifle has CMMG on it. The grip says CMMG. You know, they do their own triggers now, their own safeties. So it makes sense for a company, all right, instead of OEM in. And now, now look, like PSA, for instance, okay, you know, they buy a lot of stuff from JMAC, right? Mm-hmm. Because JMAC, you know, does really good stuff in, in their little world. And, and, and why brand it, right? A PSA could 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 OEM through JMAC Customs and have everything say PSA if they wanted to, but they decide to keep it JMAC because JMAC's a great brand with good brand recognition. So yeah, you know there are companies that OEM. I mean, think about how many companies use just Magpul right on all of their oh, yeah. stuff uh, as a factory option. Okay, and look, Magpul is very discreet and simple. Like when you look at a Magpul product, it doesn't say Magpul like a big billboard all over it. Okay, mm-hmm. so. I see where that would be uh, certainly a, a point of contention that, that would, would perturb some people. Now, the only pr- time I would have an issue with it is when the accessories suck. And and I would say that that's not necessarily that often, right? I mean, like the, yeah. the, the, uh, the zeroed accessories that come on the CMMGs are a great upgrade to the factory A2 grip, um, a factory safety, a factory trigger. Is that to say that spending the extra money on a descent which, you know, those things are better part of $2,400, but you get custom Cerakote colors, uh, different Cerakote options. So it's like, I guess it comes down to if the consumer sees the value. It, mm-hmm. Does the consumer want to spend a bunch of extra money on an on a aftermarket trigger and aftermarket safety and grip and all the accoutrements and accessories and rails? Or do they want to buy once, cry once and have everything set up? Uh, in a kind of a semi-custom uh, way out the door. And that's kind of how more I view the CMMG uh, stuff as being a great option right out the gate. So I guess that just really depends on the on the end user, uh, Ava. Yeah. Uh, that 
great a great point. I it think it always... I think it's more like look wise though it looks hideous. Um, as far as like going with Smith and Wesson, I do like the idea that you can change out the back straps. Uh, that said, I don't know that many people actually do change out the back straps. It seems like it comes with the middle one, and people are just like, "All right, it is what it is." Yeah, you know, I mean, I wonder actually how often that is actually used, or do people just, you know, get the gun, they throw away the additional back straps? They're like, "I don't need this; I'll never use it." Yeah. So it, it would be interesting. That, to see. Yeah, I will say this: that comparing a Glock to a Smith and Wesson, though. The back straps for the Smith are way better on the M&P in terms of like they fit much more flush. I'm not really a fan of the interchangeable back straps on the on the Glocks and stuff like that. Oh no, 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 no! I don't. I actually forgot that they even had interchangeable. I don't think I've ever changed out the back straps on a Glock. Not a fan. Yeah. No. Same. But um, yeah, I'm also kind of getting tired of like Gucci guns. You know, I mean, especially Gucci Glocks. I think that's like, all right, said and done. I I used to love it. Like, I used to be like, ooh, it's so pretty, you know, and just like, it would definitely grab my attention. Um, I think I'm I'm just kind of over, I guess, maybe Gucci handguns, maybe not so much Gucci long guns, uh, but Gucci handguns. And and also because a lot of these upgrades that the gun has or or things that stick out, it doesn't even necessarily make the gun shoot better. If anything, I've noticed that it makes the gun, you know, occasionally like jam or has issues. It's the same reason why if I were to buy a Glock and use it for self-defense, I probably would not upgrade anything. I would just keep it as is because, yeah. you know, the more upgrades that I do, I've noticed that it's just like, and eh, then it starts to not work as well. It's not as reliable, you know, depending on what that upgrade is. But yeah, I have to say I'm I'm a little bit over, you know, all the extravagant, you know, Gucci looking guns. That's yeah. not to say that the same goes for, you know, I mean, for example, J Mac Customs. I just got um, well, I should be getting this week quite a few accessories that they just sent me. Like they sent me their their stock and their foregrip and um and an actual grip and few other things and you know it's skeletonized it's it's a little it's definitely different but like their stuff just looks really sexy on guns in my opinion yeah i agree and i do agree when it comes to the gucci stuff there's a few little things i want to add commentary wise to the gucci gun argument and uh, that's a great argument you know when you start throwing a whole bunch of uh, crazy accessories on a gun it can hamper uh put a damper on the reliability you know and and that is mm -hmm. an issue right um, if I'm going to carry a full-size handgun these days, I generally rock the 19X. I like my Glock 19X a lot. It's a great handgun. And look, I love the SIG uh, M17. I've got the Wilson co uh, Combat Grip Module. Um, I don't run an optic on either of those guns. I run them with irons, mm -hmm. with night sights, and they're great. Um, you know, if you're going to trade out a trigger or any component in a gun, you always want to vet that component and make sure it's going to work. I actually just did an entire video discussing this in full detail is like probably a 30 40 minute long uh you know video where i talk about gucci guns so if you want to check that uh, particular video out i'll put a link down in the description box below so you can go check that video out if you want to know every little bell and whistle in terms of my opinion however uh in my previous discussions with this i agree ava that the gucci guns are cool mate look like they're in tactical you know 
Taron Butler, uh, the stuff that he's doing, I think is excellent, right? Uh, staccato. I mean, look, the staccato P, I mean, that's a great gun. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. You say that they're really like Gucciing up their gun, per se. I mean, I don't think staccatos look that Gucci. There's just a high performance gun. You know, yeah. what I mean? like high performance, well tuned, well put together. I really do like the staccatos. I do have a P on the way that I'm going to be doing a video on. So those of you that are listening and watching, expect a full review on the staccato P. Mm-hmm. Great gun. And uh, I talked to Tara Butler uh, not that long ago, and he's supposed to be sending out one of the Dracari shotguns for me to do some work on. I'm going to be returning that gun. I may not keep it. Well, then again, I don't know. He did tell me that he was selling to me for a really stupid good discount, so I may not be sending that gun back. But he was going to send me his war chest with all the John Wick guns, the Sand Viper, the Pit Viper, all the different guns he does. And look, yes, they're kind of Gucci, but dang if they're not awesome. They run... They're accurate. They're reliable. You know, I can't say I've really had any issues out of any of Terran stuff, any of the, uh, you know, the production stuff uh, from Staccato. All of Staccato stuff runs well. I think that people just get in this mindset that they have to buy a stock block and throw a whole bunch of gadgets and bullcrap on it. And then yeah. they vet the stuff well. They don't test it well. They don't install it properly. And then it just starts to become this cascading effect of, crap just going wrong and then they get frustrated because the gun doesn't run right and i think that's where you run into issues with gucci guns is you know the gun not really being properly put together and the 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 wrong choice of components people just start throwing crap on their gun and they just don't understand they're adding so many variables into the mix yeah for sure well i mean glocks in general have very loose tolerances and some of these aftermarket parts make it so that they're not as as loose as they were and and causes issues um i would say another thing that i'm not a big fan of is like the whole tactical operator thing you know lots of people acting like they're military or trying to have that military look and you know i'm a little torn on it because for one i'm like yeah let's you know our last our last uh, episode we were talking about civil war and let's say that there is a civil war and we have to, you know, defend ourselves and, you know, more so than just like defending our home, you know, then we would want something like that. Like we would want like bulletproof vests and stuff like that. But like at what point, you know, at what point is it actually going to benefit you versus, oh, it just looks cool, but it doesn't do anything. You know, it has it has no purpose. Well, and and that's and it's a fine line for me too because um even with you know like the lever gun like you know Rossi lever action how it has like their tactical looking gun I think that that one looks hands down so much cooler than your regular just everyday lever gun that you would see uh that said I mean you're not going to use a lever gun in a gunfight <laughs> I mean you'd be you'd be out of your mind to do that True I think that when it comes to all this tactical stuff what people tend to maybe not remember, maybe they need to keep this in the back of their minds, right? Is that it's not really about the cosmetic appearance. Like I think about the assault weapons bans, right? Where they try to ban a gun based on the features uh, of the gun or something like that. And then it all becomes about the features, but not about the actual operation or of the gun or, or mm-hmm. how the gun works. Right. It just becomes more about the cosmetics. People are worried about something that's scary. Well, thing is, you're going to have a plate carrier, all right? 
loaded down with water, ammo, medical, armor, no telling what. And that carrier is going to wind up weighing about 40 pounds or 35 pounds or something, especially if you're running steel plates or especially if you're not running any of the fancy uh, composite armors that save on weight, some of the ceramic options that are lighter. If you're running traditional armor, level three or level four armor, it's going to be pretty heavy. Uh, our sappy plates in Iraq, I mean, look, our, our uh, plate carriers were the better part of 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're out there in 100 degree heat, working 12 hour shifts, zero humidity. Right. Yeah. You're sweating and your sweat doesn't even reach the ground. It evaporates off your uniform before it even hits the ground. It's so dry and hot, pure heat. And you don't realize how much it takes it out of you to carry around all that extra weight. So if training in that gear puts you in the mindset of, look, when things are hard, it's going to be even harder when you have to have 40 pounds of gear running around on it. It may, may not be 40 pounds, maybe more like 30 pounds, but still, you know, look up fully loaded plate carrier you're running around you're trying to do training or whatever all right i got a challenge for anyone anyone all day long go about your normal day don't even go train with a gun take your plate carrier with all that crap on it and put it on and just go about your normal day and see how after about half the day you're gonna be like shit this sucks look bend over to tie your shoes Bend over to pick up the dog. Bend over to feed the dog. Uh, whatever you would do, reach, grab, anything. Anything that you think you do in your every, everyday life is made so much harder when you got all that gear on. So You know, you know what's coming tech- to mind right now? And not to cut you off or change the subject, but think about mothers that are carrying their child all day long that are 30 plus pounds doing right. everyday, like literally everything you just mentioned. Yep. But it's kind of funny coming from men where they're like, yeah, you tried doing this. It's so much harder. And then there's women that are like, mofo, I do that every day. <laughs> you need your arm. I mean, look, you go to the grocery store and you see a lady with four kids. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, trust me. Like, But the point is, though, is this whole tactical thing and the whole tactical vibe that you're talking about. Yes, it, it, it can at face value seem a little a little odd, but. I do understand why people do it because, you know, mm-hmm. if let's just say there were to be some bad situation, Ava, the crap were to hit the fan and you have to pick up a gun and, and God forbid, you know, go to work. You certainly don't want to have your trial by fire be, uh, you know, carrying around a bunch of gear that you never even used before because you didn't have to take the time to go train with it. So at least put the gear on, try it out. Even if all you do is walk around with it from time to time or look, I've seen people before just go on a, like a regular walk at their park or whatever and just wear their vest while they're walking. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like, Or if you're going to walk on a treadmill, wear your vest. Get yeah. used to that extra weight. I just got a treadmill for Christmas. There you go. It's still in the garage because it's too heavy to move downstairs. And I'm like, all right, somebody eventually is going to come over. They could help me move this. <laughs> Uh, what are some of the other things that you're not a fan of? Okay, so there was one that I wanted to mention specifically when we talk about, you know, these little trends and odd things in the gun industry. Mm-hmm. All right, look, like, I am not hating on FN here. I love FN products. Listen, y'all, I own every scar. I've got a P90 machine gun. Like, look, I love FN. I've got a, a 5.7. I've got scars. I've got an FN police shotgun. Look, I love FN, and I spend my hard-earned money on them. I love them. So I have every right to say this, 
But like when they released the scar pistol in a seven inch barrel, like so many people uh, were dragging FN in the comments. Like, you know, for a fact that people were asking for a scar pistol for all this time. And you know, dang well, that nobody asked for a seven inch barrel. Nobody like, come on, do think about a Mark 18. Mark 18 is a 10-3. At least do a 10-3. Yeah. They should have made that gun an 11 and a half inch barrel. You know, like that was a, a, a little bit of a of a fail in my opinion. Like, but you know, look, here's the thing. Does that mean that I'm not gonna buy one? You dang right I'm gonna buy uh -huh. one. You're dang right I'm gonna SBR well, one. Well, why yeah. do people they did the seven inch though? I mean, was it just, you know, so that it's a little bit more compartmental, you know, like easier to transport, easier to I don't know. What a worthless barrel Lee. Yeah. I, no one builds seven inch ARs anymore. Nobody. Unless it's a trash blaster. Like I mean, go crap. small or go home. That's probably what I they were thinking. I reckon. But hey, you know, I'm just poking a little fun at FN. Look, I love yeah. the scar and I, I wish that that pistol had a 10 and a half inch barrel. I would have bought one a long time ago. But a seven inch, y'all, come on. Like little things like that. And like manufactured gun control, which I've done a few videos on this in the past, but like the whole ammo situation, which I know you work with federal on ammo, mm -hmm. but, but it's like the 20 round boxes of ammo versus the 50 round boxes of LE carry ammo. And like, oh, a civilian can't buy the law enforcement skew because it's 50 round box. Come on. That's mm -hmm. manufactured gun control. Like it's kind of a low blow. Yeah. Don't you think? It is interesting that it only comes in 20 rounds. Like most rifle calibers, for that matter. Well, just in general, I mean, let's forget about like the whole LE version. It's interesting that it, you know, especially when like pistol, you know, so that's weird. Like, so yeah, pistol calibers come in boxes of like 50 cartridges and then rifles, which typically obviously are going to hold more generally than pistols, come in less. Right. But if you, if you have like some HST, for instance, you know, federal HST in a 20 round box, civilians mm -hmm. typically can only buy the 20 round boxes of ammo. Mm -hmm. They make a law enforcement skew that's 50 rounds of HST, but it's for law enforcement sales only. And so typically, right, the 50 round boxes of HST are like $35 for 50 rounds. Mm -hmm. But then 20 round boxes of HST are like $29 for 20 rounds. Yeah. So for a civilian to buy 100 rounds of carry ammo, they have to buy five boxes of that at the tune of $25. That's $125 for 100 rounds versus law enforcement can go and buy it for $70. Yeah, interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, on the street, usually those... 50 round boxes sell for like $39.99, but sometimes you can catch them for 35 bucks a box. Yeah. And when I do, I stock up on it because I use so much for shooting videos. Uh, when I'm running, you know, I like to run ball ammo in my reviews, but I also like to try out different carry ammo. I don't want to buy 20 round boxes. I want to buy the 50 round boxes because I go through a lot mm -hmm. and I train a lot with carry ammo. So it's like. What about, what about, um, you know, like rumors in the industry that get people to buy more? So, for example, when people were saying like 556 five, was going to be really hard to find uh, because what was it, Lake City, uh, they were no longer giving their, which which to my understanding uh, supplies the population 
uh, civilians with like, I think 30% of their ammo. And they were saying that they didn't have any extra or that they were not going to sell to civilians. And there was that rumor. And I don't know if it was ever, um, if anybody ever, you know, concluded that it was real or not. And I kept telling people that, like everybody was like jumping to conclusions, but I'm like, yeah, but they haven't even said anything. Like they haven't got on, like where, where are they publicly saying this? It's all hearsay. But as a result, it created this huge, like, you know, like uproar of, you know, people thinking that they're not going to have 556 available and they were buying it, like clearing shelves everywhere. And now if you think about it, it's like we still have 556 on shelves. If anything, the price has gone down a little bit since this happened. So it's also interesting, you know, some of these rumors and like how they get started and is it started within the industry in order to uh, to push sales? Yeah, mar market manipulation through way of, you know, rumors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And look, you know, at the end of the day, I, I get it. I mean... Yeah, I make money off the gun industry. I mean, look, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I sell things. Like, I I'm a partner on an FSL. Like, and look, I'm not gonna sit here and make any any qualms about it. I mean, yeah, I want to see the gun industry be healthy, but at the same time, I obviously want to make sure that the consumer is getting the best deal. Yeah, that the consumer is, has the best to choose from and gets a good price. And you know, that people, you know, a lot more people are becoming gun owners now. And there's a lot of folks that are really gullible because they're new to the gun industry. They don't know what we know. They haven't been around like we have. So yeah. I feel like it's important for gun gun companies and ammo companies and everyone to just be fair and concise and straightforward when it comes to all this sort of stuff and to not, you know, really engage in manipulative type behavior. But really at the end of the day, <laughs> there's not really anything to manipulate because I mean, look, ammo is necessary. You have to have ammo to run your gun. You, you can't be a gun owner and not have ammo. That's why it's so scary when all of the uh, the folks in Washington talk about ammo bans. Because yeah. they know, right? Oh, well, we're not going to take your guns away. We're just going to you know, keep you from having access to ammo. Mm -hmm. You almost have to wonder if, like, maybe the, the ammo companies, you know, ag the Democrats along to, to talk about that type of stuff so that people get scared and go out and buy ammo. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. You know? I know. Or they eventually, I mean, look at California where you can no longer have ammo shipped directly to your door. You have to go to a gun store and is it, you, do you have to do a background check in California in order to buy ammo? Because then in some ways that's sort of like registering, you know, registering how much ammo you have. They can track exactly. And it's just weird. Like it's like, how are, how are people okay with that in California? In California, I feel like you have to have permission to uh, to to breathe. Yeah, I mean, such an oppressive state. Yeah, I know. Uh, some of the other things that are very odd to me, kind of going along with along the lines of like you know what you said with the scar pistol, but like bolt action pistols. Mm -hmm. That's also a little. I mean, I think it's fun. Um, been different. You know, I'm not against you know, different guns. Like I would own one, but I also, I don't know. But then again, I, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm curious as to with the advancements of ammo and barrels and stuff like that. I mean, are we, are we the, almost like, are we the fuds here where we're just like, Oh, that makes no sense. You know, we're scoffing at these short barrels, 
But maybe these short barrels now and the twist rate and stuff, I mean, are more than capable of doing the same that these longer barrels were, you know, not even that many years ago. Well, uh, there's a company that some folks may not know about Christensen Arms, but Christensen Arms makes a lot of crazy bolt action pistols. And you can get like a 12 inch barrel bolt action. It's basically an R700 pattern type bolt action with like a 10 or 12 inch barrel. That bullet's getting one one turn to get out of the barrel. But if you're talking something like an 8.6. Mm-hmm. Like, like look at Black Collar Arms. Right. They've come out with some like really cool bull action pistols. Yeah, exactly. The uh, So it's Kevin, Kevin Brenningham uh, did the what the 8.6 blackout. Mm-hmm. So something like that in, in, a, in a little bolt action pistol would be cool, especially with braces. You can just put a folding brace on it. So now if you're out pig hunting and you want a little short compact rig to get in and out of a four-wheeler easy or in and out of a side-by-side or get in and out of a truck, that d- then becomes kind of an attractive option. You know, take uh, a, a Christensen or something like that and build it with a really short proof research barrel that's carbon fiber, put a lightweight suppressor on it. Now, you know, you're, you're shedding pounds, you're shedding weight, you're making the gun easier to, to carry around. Perhaps it's someone with a disability who can't carry around a heavy rifle. So I can see some benefits of a bolt-action pistol, depending on the distances you're shooting. What if you're only going to shoot a few hundred yards? You don't need all that extra powder and extra velocity to to shoot a few hundred yards. If you're not going to use it as a long-range tool, and it's going to be a specialized up-close tool, maybe for pest eradication, hunting, uh, hog yeah. hunting, whatever, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Being a, for some. Uh, Let's take a quick break. Talk about Gideon Optics. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to be unboxing one of the Rock pistol sights real quick here. I'm going to show you what comes in the box. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take one out. All right. So, and I know all about these boxes because my dog just uh, got one all over the uh, <laughs> over the freaking yard out here. You've got a lens cloth. Instruction manual, you've got your tool, your flat plate and flat hardware for mounting it directly to the pistol, all right, and then the optic itself, all right. Now, this one is set up with a pick rail adapter on it, so you can run it real flat if you want, but that's the rock, real nice ruggedized red dot. Of course, we can uh, pull uh, this mount off completely from the top with these two screws, and you can go ahead and mount it directly if you want to. Uh, that's not a problem. All right. You have the ability to do that. But I really do like the Gideons a lot. And check them out. Um, I did just do a video on the PSA Jackal where I had one of the Gideon uh, mediators on my on my gun. But I wanted to show you the pistol sights as well. They do a couple of different versions of these. They have one called the Rock and they have one called the Alpha. The Alpha is slightly larger. Um, but Gideon's doing some great stuff. And I will be mounting up some of these pistol sights on some various guns to get into some reviews and uh i'm really digging them for the money uh they're fantastic and they've been holding up great for me yeah absolutely so check it out gideonoptics.com absolutely um i think that a lot of people will agree with me when i say next my biggest gripe about the gun industry are fuds and we're not talking about you know your old white man i mean it's I see it all the time. Like even just the other day, I was at Lowe's and I was getting some two by fours for my uh, for my range, and the guy was just like 
poking around. He's this young kid. And he's just like, cool. Like, well, he's cutting my two by fours in half. And he's like, so what is it that you do? And I'm just like, okay, you little nosy little brat. But um, I, you know, I told him and, and he's like, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty controversial, huh? And, and anyways, long story short, he just reminded me of like a total FUD, like the kind that thinks that, you know, AR-15 should be illegal, that there shouldn't be, you know, that there should be like mag, res- mag capacity restrictions that, you know, you should only have like your hunting rifle and maybe a shotgun and and maybe, you know, one pistol. And it's just like, I can't stand people that, you know, they're all about the Second Amendment, but, you know, there shouldn't be any, like, you can't you can't just be like oh I'm you know we can have this but we can't have that because ultimately it doesn't boil that's not what the second amendment even means and it just baffles me that you know there's still so many people out there with this thought process and it's it's cringy it is people tend to be relatively selective about the way they apply the second amendment some people think well the second amendment's only for hunting so they only go out and duck hunt or go out and deer or squirrel hunt or something like that. And that's all they do. They they engage in that type of activity and they're perfectly happy to do that. And you got yeah. guys like me, like, you know, I hunt, but I also shoot long range with Barrett's, you know, 50 cows. I shoot cannon. I shoot cartridge contained black powder rifles. I shoot old antique rifles. I shoot modern machine guns. I, I, to me, I'm a gun guy. Like I, I enjoy it all. I love black powder. I love military surplus. I love air guns. I got into air gun hunting under Rick Ward. A uh, big shout out to Rick Ward, urban air gunner, good friend of mine. He got me into uh, you know the Air Force Texan, which um, that gun really blew my mind. And it every time I squeeze a trigger on one, it still blows my mind how powerful it is. And they're powerful. I mean, you can kill game with them. So there's so many cool things. So why limit yourself? That's the way I look at it. And all these fuds that say, well, no one should have an AR-15. Well, I use my AR-15 to hunt coyotes. Mm-hmm. I use my AR-15 to hunt hogs. So it's like, I'm a hunter too, just like a lot of fuds are. A lot of fuds, they only look at the Second Amendment, oh, it's for hunting. Or they look at guns as being a tool only for hunting and not for self-defense. Or maybe they have their grandpa's old wheel gun and they go, well, I got my grandpa's old revolver. I don't have any use for automatic or a Glock that holds, you know, 30 rounds mm-hmm. in the magazine. I mean, I, I guess I can understand their mentality if they've never had a use for it, but I just think it's self-defeating to not accept the Second Amendment in its totality and realize that these tools are here for our uh, uh, you know, use and they're available to us to use in the ways that we need to use them in. And that use is not just hunting, right? The Second Amendment gives us the ability to stand up against a tyrannical government that might be trying to harm us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason the Second Amendment is written the way that it is. It's very clear constitutional language. It says exactly what it means and nothing it doesn't, right? Yep. And people can can spin it all they want. But at the end of the day, the Second Amendment gives us the ability to stand toe-to-toe with those that would harm this, even up to including our own government. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not about hunting. The Second Amendment says nothing about hunting. It yep. never had, never will. And somehow it gets convoluted into this, oh, well, that's not a sporting purpose. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Sure, you're going to look at it from a sporting purpose. If you feel like, you know, you're going to do something that's worth being shot over, well, then, yeah, I'm pretty sure you want to have the most sporting uh, outcome yeah. for you if you're in the in the business of tyranny. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. The same thing goes for suppressors too. There's so many people that are against suppressors and it's because they're getting their knowledge from movies. They think that it literally makes it like you can't detect when somebody shoots, like it's so quiet. And it's like, wow, I really wish suppressors were like that. And, you know, even like some rimfire suppressors are, you know, somewhat similar, but ultimately it's like nowhere close than like what you see in the movies. And if anything, I, I honestly, it just baffles me that suppressors are as, um, you know, as uh, what's the word that I'm looking for, um, that it takes, you know, so long in order for you to get a suppressor that it's so regulated because ultimately it's just making it, you know, more pleasant to shoot. That's true. Like it just baffles me. And like if there's other countries where it's seen as, you know, you're you're being rude if you're not using a suppressor. Because, you know, you're you're not caring about the people around you when you're shooting. And that's how it should be in the United States. But we've, you know, people have made such a big deal about NFA items and suppressors and short barrel rifles and stuff. And it's like if they only realized, you know, what like the extreme of like what they're actually capable of doing, like a short barrel rifle does not make this gun more deadly than, you know, than a regular rifle. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's so stupid. And people don't understand. Like I go out on my porch at like one o'clock in the morning and shoot. I've got a Smith and Wesson, uh, MP 22 pistol, uh, mm -hmm. compact with a, with a can on it. And yeah. I'll just go out outside and just plink at like one o'clock in the morning off the porch with a suppressor. <laughs> and it's so quiet. No one can hear it. Yeah. And, well, know, I'm jealous. I have that exact, I have that exact same setup. Probably not the same suppressor, but same thing. My M and P uh, twenty two suppressed, uh, but I cannot go outside. My neighbors probably wouldn't like that. Uh, and then one, <laughs> what? You can do it. They just might uh, look at uh, you funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, "Hey, Eric, I can't record this week's episode. I'm in jail." <laughs> um, and then lastly, people who don't stick up for you know for our rights. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people, even in the gun industry, like I've, you know, on my other show on on Gun Funny, I have a political segment. And I can't tell you how many times I've had guests where they're like, yeah, you know what, I'm just going to remain quiet when you talk about the political segment, because we just don't like to get involved. And I, I just I get so annoyed because I'm like, this is your livelihood. Like your business is based on your ability to sell, you know, guns or accessories or anything gun related and you're not going to stand here and fight for it or you're not going to notify other people of what's going on when maybe they you know they're not sure um or people that think like yeah you know it's happening in california or new york or washington or wherever but it's not going to happen in my state like i live in texas there's no way it's going to happen you know, even if it's like super 2A friendly, you know, constitutional carry state, whatever, whatever, it does not mean that you're safe. It doesn't mean you can be complacent and that you're you don't have to take a stand and and fight for our rights and, and be vocal. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to be extreme, but for you to just be like, eh, you know, we're going to stand off on the sidelines like it just drives me nuts. Especially if you're a company that's got lots of money and influence and like, you know, you could move the needle in a more positive direction if he got more involved. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's crazy. Uh, I, I actually catch a lot of flack, believe it or not, 
because I do so much stuff that's political. And I'll, I'll go through my comment section and people are like, I know. why are you being political? Well, I've even watched people go through our podcast. Now, oh, look, I want to, you know, we're, we're getting kind of close to being towards the end of the podcast here. But I, if, for those of you that are still with us here, I just want to mention that a lot of folks come on my channel and be like, well, another podcast, where's the gun content? Where's this? Where's that? I mean, look, y'all, I've been putting content out for over 15 years, okay? There's over 2,000 videos on my channel, right? It's not that there are more podcasts that have been coming through. It's just that I haven't been producing as much gun content. So yeah, people have a false sense of, well, it's is there's more podcasts. It's not that there's more podcasts. It's that I need to get my butt out of the range and make more gun content. But look, right, everything from gun content, everything from the entertaining content that I make, the political content, the podcast, they all serve a purpose and they're all part of a greater plan. So I hope you understand. I mean, if you come across a podcast and you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. That's okay. But we're trying to grow Pew Pew Panel. We're trying to get this more successful because I really enjoy this format. It's a great reprieve for me, um, you know, to take a break from the norm and to get past the minutia of the everyday and have a little fun and 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 step outside the comfort zone from time to time. So for those of you that are listening and or watching on my channel, I just want to mention that I have a lot of content in the hat. There's lots of things going on, so don't worry. Um, you know, look, I'm I'm posting all kinds of random stuff, and and yes, a Ava's she's on the channel, so get over it. Oh, and a lot, of, and I'm, I'm a lot of the questions about Chad as well. Look, Chad's around, y'all. Now I've addressed this in other videos, but I'll know. It drives me nuts. People are like, "Oh, that's cool. Where's Chad?" Like people think that I, um, you know, that I like somehow like shoot Chad out of here. We're all friends. I'm friends with Brandy. I'm friends with Chad. Like we're all friends yeah. here nothing bad happened it's right it's actually i mean it's kind of comical at this point but um but yeah some people love me some people hate me it is what it is um but ultimately i mean this podcast isn't going anywhere it's yeah. we're going to continue to push forward and i you know you and i both have very high hopes for its success and i have i really have no doubt that it is going to be successful and you know like with anything new people typically don't like something new and it takes them a little while before they get used to it. And that's fine. Like we're here for it. But I agree. One thing I'll just mention real quick that Chad is around y'all. Okay. He's running Argos. All right. Argos ordinance here in Locust Grove, Georgia. He's doing custom Cerakote. He's building guns. You know, that's his focus right now is to try to build Argos. And it required him to step away from the channel and spend more time working on that. And we're doing everything in our power to help that grow for him so he can have a nest egg for him and his family. And quite frankly, he's good at it. The guy builds a good AR. The guy's very tedious with Cerakote. He does great work. So, you know, he is, he can more effectively pursue his talents doing that uh, than filming for me. I mean, look, at the end of the day, he's worth more doing that. He feels more fulfillment with that. He's, he's meant to do that. He's very good at that. So... You know, we want to see Chad get in a place that is going to benefit him much better in the long term than running a camera for me. I mean, like, I can film, anybody can film videos, right? Not everybody can do what Chad is doing over at Argos. So, look, you want to support Chad? Go buy a product at Argos. I mean, just a shameless plug. He's a great guy, and he's doing really good, and, and we want nothing but the utmost success for him in the future moving forward. And he's going to be back on the channel, y'all. He's going to be popping in to demo some Argos stuff, but... Anyway, just wanted to, you know, 
uh, address yeah. some of the concerns that people had. No, Chad is not dead. He is very much alive, y'all. It's all good. Yeah. And that said, going back to what started this, uh, I do appreciate your political stance and making videos and notifying people on what's going on. And I think it's incredibly important. And I think that more content creators need to do the same thing. Unfortunately, as much as you guys might hate to hear about it, I think that it's, you know, I think it's extremely important if we're going to make a change. And unfortunately, we're at a point where change needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to continue to lose our rights. So I think that wraps that up. Now it is time for listener of the week. We did have a, a nice review. It's from Gun Happy Buddha Five Stars titled Definitely Worth the Watch. Normally I have you guys in my ear while I'm at work, but this episode I had to take your advice and switch over to YouTube. Boy, was it worth it. Love the podcast. You guys are very knowledgeable and entertaining at the same time. I love it when Peaches chimes in. No. Or tearing at my, you know, at my heartstrings with Peach's comment. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much. If you guys want to leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, head on over to Pew Pew Panel on YouTube. Please follow us there. We're really trying to build the channel. Uh, please, you know, leave us a, a good review on wherever you watch it. And then don't forget to comment and like below. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. See y'all. Have a good one.